Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogues such as, but I'm on a scavenger hunt for hobgoblins and I'm in a big hurry. Here to provide analysis <laughs> for that line and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing okay. I spent a good portion of my day trying to figure out how to uh, pay a speeding ticket from Wyoming, of all strange things. But I'm very happy to uh, hear about this scavenger hunt for the Hobgoblin. Do you pay uh, Wyoming speeding tickets using, like, gold coins or something? (laughs) It's a little unclear. I was there for vacation, and they got me. Although, it was an honest mistake, I swear. Well, according to our... I should be checking our state count, but there's a good chance we have a Wyoming listener. Perhaps one of them could uh, reach out to us later when we give our information and let you know some information about how to pay Wyoming speeding tickets. Be super Um, helpful. (laughs) One thing that I need to know a little bit more about is uh, this appearance of a Mrs. Mamie Muggins in this book. Could you tell me again who she is? One of my favorite characters. She is Peter Parker's landlady. She's often ornery. She's very tough. She has defeated Spider-Man before, you know, in quotations. Like, mostly she's just scared to get exposed uh, from her. So she lives you know, She lives in the same building Peter Parker does. So there's this always this risk. Well, she'll be in this first book. And that first book is from March of 1984. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 250 Confessions by Roger Stern, art by John Romita Jr. and Laus Jansen. Spidey lays recovering from his near-death experience at the hands of the Hobgoblin on the floor of the Businessmen's Century Club. Although his savior, the Kingpin, has departed. He he saved Spider-Man from the Hobgoblin here. Uh, The rest of the businessmen ostentatiously try to attack Spider-Man. Spidey, though, quickly vacates and meets up with Harry Osborn. Uh, Over coffee, Harry ruminates on the Hobgoblin's identity being one of his dad's friends. In his lair, the Hobgoblin gloats on how he strengthened a Norman Osborn nerve gas formula, allowing him to eliminate Spider-Man's spider sense. He also finds the tracer, the kingpin tagged on him, which was actually Spider-Man's tracer. Later on in the book, the Hobgoblin will take apart the tracer and realize that if Spider-Man created it, he is brilliant. But Eddie, the next scene is another one of our reoccurring characters doing something less than brilliant. Yes, it's Mamie Muggins, uh, Peter's landlady I was just talking about. She's on top of their building with a tennis racket attacking a bunch of carpets that she's very angry about because her husband will not pay to have them clean. So she has to drag him up there and hit him. And she's smoking a very long cigarette while she's doing this. Very angry. Spider-Man tries to come out of his skylight and notices her at the last second. And she's like, wait, what was that? But she doesn't see him. So he's okay. Thank- thankfully, he doesn't get caught. Yes. Thankfully, he avoids her. And then Spider-Man goes searching for information about the Hobgoblin's identity. Uh, Spidey does this by intruding into the homes of the businessmen who are at the meeting. James B., on page 11, we see Spider-Man popping his head into a fireplace from the chimney, kind of like Santa Claus, uh, while a guy is reading in his slippers. I wouldn't talk to Spider-Man if he was popping into my house like that either. Uh, None of these businessmen talk to Spider-Man, and all of them seem very scared. Eddie, you know, we read these books. I feel like sometimes I'm reading a different book than you. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's time for a new segment called We Read What We Choose to Read. Now choose.
Eddie, I'm going to present you two possible outcomes. You decide which is what you actually read. Okay. You said none of these businessmen will talk. All of them are scared. Well, yes. That's what you wrote in the in the show notes. Yes, that, like, that's you correct. Just, you just said it. Mm-hmm. Or is it none of these businessmen will talk. They don't want to reveal their secrets to Spider-Man. Oh, that could be the case too. But I think they're scared of being exposed either way, whether they talk or they don't talk. Spider-Man's telling them, like, tell me what the goblin has on you. I'll help you. And they're like, I'm not going to tell you. They're not scared of him. Ah. They don't want to reveal, like, what dirt he has on him. Oh, I see. So they're not scared of Spider-Man. They're scared of the blackmail coming to light. So they won't talk to Spider-Man about what they're being blackmailed for. I believe that's what the case is. Okay. All right. I I think I will side with you there, although they're scared. (laughs) One way about something, that's for sure. (laughs) Thanks for listening to We Read What We Choose to Read, Now Choose. Uh, as a last-ditch effort, Spider-Man visits J. Jonah Jameson, who is typing. Uh, he's working on an editorial confession stating his involvement in creating the Scorpion, uh, which is what the Hobgoblin has blackmail on him for. Spider-Man says this will ruin J. Jonah, and in an effort to help him, grabs the editorial from the typewriter and swings off. Uh, I'd like to remind the listeners... J. Jonah's involvement with the Scorpion. Excuse me, Eddie, but according to the show notes, it looks like you reached out for some help. And I guess it's time for a new segment called Ian Cooper, Side Character Aficionado. Yes, this is Ian Cooper reporting live from Texas. J. Jonah Jameson paid Dr. Farley Stillwell $10,000 to turn Matt Gargan into the Scorpion in issue 20 of The Amazing Spider-Man. Scorpion was meant to be stronger than Spider-Man. J. Jonah Jameson felt that it would just be poetic justice if Spider-Man was defeated by someone just like him. Currently, Jameson's being blackmailed by the Hobgoblin. I mean, besides creating a supervillain being illegal, it's probably not ethnically sound to go around mutating people just to fight your least favorite menace. Let me know if you need any more updates in the future. This is Ian, signing off. Great job, Ian. You've been listening to Ian Cooper, side character, aficionado. Who who created Scorpion? What's the guy's name? Farley Stillwell was the doctor. Sure, it's Farley? It's Farley Stillwell? That's fine. I know his name was Dr. Stillwell. I didn't know his name first. Yeah, I had to look that up. Do you you know that at the same time this is being discussed, the Scorpion here, that in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, they're also talking about Dr. Stillwell? Yes. Yes. He's really so, come up rapidly everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. next podcast, we'll cover that one. So. Okay. Well, Spidey tracks down the Hobgoblin and attacks. During the battle, uh, Norman Osborn's journals catch fire. In an effort to save the journals, the Hobgoblin throws a pumpkin bomb, but it explodes the entire building. Spider-Man and Hobgoblin are fighting it. We end with J. Jonah Jameson handing a copy boy something to publish in the paper the next day. Yeah, we'll find out more about what J. Jonah Jameson hands the copy boy in our next issue in about five minutes. 
what was your takeaway from what is essentially part two, I guess, of a three-part Hobgoblin story? Yeah, it, it's really a very serious story. Spider-Man feels older too um i'm not (laughs) as comfortable calling him spidey anymore as when he was like in high school or even uh you know in college but i do like the comedy that happens on page 10 (laughs) all right hold on let me open up page 10 of our book here tell the listeners what's happening on page 10 on page 10 spider-man is looking through all these businessmen's houses for them and we see one of them before spider-man shows up kind of talking to his, I can assume, wife, and he calls her the wrong name. (laughs) And she's very upset about this. She's like, not one more word. I don't want to hear about it because her name is Sheila, not Stephanie, the name he said. And then Spider-Man shows up and scares her. I don't know if I've ever tried this, but I think it might be worth trying it again. It's time for a segment called We Read What We Choose to Read, Now Choose. I don't think this is funny at all. But before I even get to that, Eddie, I'm going to present you with two possible outcomes. You decide what you actually read. Okay. You said that Spider-Man busted on this guy. This guy's talking to his wife and he says, he gets her name wrong. He calls her Sheila and her name is Stephanie. That's right. right. Okay. I don't think there's any chance this is his wife at all. And here's here's my argument <laughs> against that. I know this is super important to this book, but listen, he she... She says, will you quit pacing the floor and come sit down? I'm beginning to think you don't like me. <laughs> that doesn't sound like wife talk. You know what I mean? It's not your typical marriage it, banter. That's true. He also says, of all my times for my brother to be out of town if I ever needed him. Like, he needs his brother to be here. And then he says, not now, Sheila. Can't you see Sheila? My name is Stephanie. Who's Sheila? And he says, Stephanie, it's not what you think. Sheila is a buyer for Saks who's been on my back lately. And he goes, not one more word. I don't want to hear about it. And she just leaves. This does not seem like somebody's like wife sitting in their apartment I, drinking wine. I think this could very him. well be his wife, actually. That's the, he forgot her name? I think that's, that's the scandalous part because he has a side mistress and he says her name. And that's what upsets her so massively because she's the wife, not the girlfriend that he accidentally let slip. And then he just lies about her being some buyer for sex. <laughs> I think it's actually, I think it's really, he's really got a lot on his mind. He's all stressed out because of his problems and his secrets. And I think this is a very serious wow. moment. <laughs> but he says, oh no, <laughs> when he, when he like says the wrong name and he looks like not very happy about it. I think that's why he immediately realizes he made a mistake. So I'm disagreeing mm. with you, James B. I think this is All his right. wife. I think he accidentally let slip his mistress's name, and this is the fallout. Well, thanks for listening to We Read What We Choose to Read. Now choose. Eddie, this book is more serious. I feel the same way. I think the artwork is more serious. I think we're starting to have the first big transition from the, you know, we saw the right, the artwork in the 60s kind of transition to that 70s. And there's been a very slow 70s into the 80s. It's been very similar. But this is like the beginning of what the 90s art's going to look like. Yeah, that could be part of why I felt the same way. Well, when Spider-Man shows up uh, at the Hobgoblin's lair, the Hobgoblin has the spider tracer that was put on him. I was really looking forward to like, 
you know, some arcade style ambush that was going to happen where he had to get through all these traps. But Spider-Man shows up to the Hobgoblin's place and the Hobgoblin is totally unprepared for him. They just immediately start to like punch each other. So, well, I guess, I guess that's what we got. Well, one thing I was uh, looking forward to that I didn't see was this is the 250th issue, and it says on the cover, special, normal-sized 250th issue. <laughs> Not getting any extra pages here. <laughs> and then the little corner where they have, like, the Marvel logo. The Hobgoblin's in the logo. It's supposed to Spider-Man. And it says, he says, it's great. Steal it. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Imagine... Back in like eighties, you you walk out the door. This you get a like, it says like, stop right stealing it. It's like it says yeah, steal the book. So, well, that's only this book. You couldn't steal the next book. The next book is from April of nineteen eighty four. Stanley presents the Amazing Spider Man two hundred fifty one endings by Roger Stern and Tom DeFalco, art by Ron Friends and Klaus Janssen. The Hobgoblin and Spider Man are slowly reviving after the Hobgoblin's lair exploded. The Hobgoblin is faster to get to his feet, and so gives Spider-Man a few whacks. He then tries to run Spidey over with his battle van. Fortunately for Spider-Man, it isn't so easy to squash him. He's trying to squash me. Uh, A hobby crashes the van through multiple buildings, but Spider-Man avoids being hurt and gets inside the van. I can't think of too many times we've had to cover like a car chase. In the the vulture takes to the air. We have goblin gliders. Most villains just go, you know, tip top toes to Spider Man, and if they need to, they'll throw a building on a bystander to get away. No one has a battle van built for an average cruising speed of ninety miles an hour, which is what it says. Speaking you know. of battle vans. Hobgoblin sets the van to auto-guidance and the two battle within the confined space. Just as Spider-Man looks to be in serious trouble, his Spider-Sense reawakens and the fight swings in his favor. The out-of-control van veers into the Hudson River and begins to fill with water. As things get worse for the Hobgoblin, his sanity begins to unravel, and he tries to kill himself and Spider-Man by blowing up the van underwater. Somehow, Spider-Man survives, but can only find the Hobgoblin's mask at the bottom of the river. Oh my god, the Hobgoblin and these stupid bombs. (laughs) He has taken this whole bomb thing way too far. You know, he basically blew up his own headquarters thinking he would throw a bomb, like, at Spider-Man when he was to put out a fire or to get him away from the papers. It was, it was, it was kind of weird. And now he's blown up his own battle van. This is like when the last 22 pages, this guy's taken out his building and his van. But none of this could appear in the newspapers, like the Daily Bugle, because we spoke earlier about the copy boy. We're going to finally get to see that Bugle headline. Yes, before Spider-Man tells J. Jonah the incriminating evidence has been destroyed, we learn J. Jonah Jameson has decided to step down as editor-in-chief. He appoints his assistant editor, Joe Robbie, in his place. Shocking. Up until this point, the whole book was pretty much a fight. But it's, a, it's an okay fight. It's a good fight. It's helpful that Spider-Man doesn't have a spider sense while he's fighting, too, because it puts him at more of a disadvantage... And it's exciting when he regains it. I really didn't care for this fight. I 
felt it was too confined at times. I mean, I was almost claustrophobic reading it, just watching them trying to punch each other in such a tight space. By the way, it wasn't shocking that J. Jonah Jameson, you know, did something wrong. We knew about that or that he chose to step down. He's, really? He's, not to me. He's, I've had Joe Robbie in charge before when J. Jonah Jameson was just but like out of commission. He's like me. completely stepping down. What What even happens to his character after this if he's not the editor of The Bugle? Like, I don't understand how he gets into the story again. Well, he's stepping down because he's being completely honest about his situation. He's being a true newsman. Like all of a sudden now he wants to tell the truth where he's been blaming Spider-Man for everything all this time. And now today he decides he's going to own up to this one thing. It seems kind of weird. I just, but he's like the type of guy that just doesn't back down and particularly doesn't back down in relation to something Spider-Man related. I would have thought he would have wrote an article that said, here's the reasons why the Scorpion was important and helpful for society. I mean, he's so good at twisting headlines like that. But but he does take the high road a lot too. He does not. I, he, he you can't. He, he doesn't deal with corrupt uh, politicians. He doesn't deal with like racism. Like you know. So sometimes they have him taking one side of the world. Sometimes he's on the other side. I'm never. Nothing surprises me from J. Jonah Jameson. I was very surprised. I would not have thought he would have completely uh, let go of his position and given it to somebody else. But. You know, before, before, I guess before so. you finish this up, because there's just a couple pages at the end here. What'd you think of this whole uh, hobgoblin? I'm crazy, or because I I couldn't figure out if he was. He seemed the thought he said I'm not crazy made me think he might be sane, but does that make him crazy? <laughs> I can't tell. I I think when he he's like muttering softly to himself while he's inside the van. It, it, it occurs as the hobgoblin starts to lose the fight more and more and realize he's probably not going to beat Spider-Man. Uh, and, and so I think he's more crazy as he softly mutters to himself, Norman Osborn was the crazy one. Not me, not me, but. I, Eddie, I've got, uh, got a couple of things to take care of because we want to talk in a little while about the fact that we're right around our two year uh, anniversary of the show, but I want to get our, our sponsor in if that's okay with you. Okay. We can do it here. Yeah. Eddie, I went back and got a, and reached out to any of our old sponsors and said, does any of them want to come back? And uh, believe it or not, we got, we got an old sponsor to return. <laughs> How exceedingly helpful. I, I don't, no, never mind. Eddie, would you like to enjoy clear views of historic Hudson River lighthouses, waterfront mansions, sunken battle vans, and other notable sites on a 90-minute sightseeing cruise? I, uh, I think that would be okay. Yes. Well, great. If you think that's okay, wait till you hear about the new eight-hour meet-and-greet cruise on the Hudson. That's right. Once again, it's eight full hours on a boat with special guests, such as Scorpion, creator (laughs) J. Jonah Jameson. Probably didn't know he did that. Football legend Whitey Mullins. Wrecking crew member Thunderball. And Nose Norton. By the way, it's not only men you can meet. You can mingle with Francis DeLeon from Canada. (laughs) Oh, no. High school dropout, Betty Brandt. Oh. Mamie Muggins. And of course, Sheila. I mean, Stephanie. $45 for a 90-minute cruise, $30 an hour. But for $25 an hour, you can enjoy the meet and greet cruise. Your $200 ticket also comes with crackers and milk. No refunds if the boat is taken over by terrorists or blown up by hobgoblin bombs. Free hobgoblin masks for all kids under 10. Eddie, are you ready to take the whole family out for a great time? Get on a boat with a thunderball and his wrecking bar. That seems everything about this seems very dangerous and not very fun. So, did, 
Did you go last time on the screen? You know, somehow I just it slipped my mind. They must have had it, and I just wasn't there. Sorry, I I missed it. This this was our sponsor. It was a hundred sponsors ago. Yeah, well, they didn't give us like a free ride. I had to still pay full price. I think so. You know, yeah, it's I not like we're making with... a whole bunch of money from this podcast, James. <laughs> So, Eddie, we're in the middle of a kind of a celebration this podcast and the next podcast because we're celebrating the fact that we've been uh, doing this for two years. And uh, I heard you might have something special going on. Is this true? It's true. I went back to, and first of all, I wanted to revive one of my favorite things from a long time ago, Under Over. Oh, my God. This is a counting game where, I have to, <laughs> where you tell me how many times you counted helicopters or something? James B., I know you don't like games that are more based on guessing than on logic. So too bad, though. We're going to talk about uh, Amazing Spider-Man 247, 248, 249, 250, and 251. Just to remind you, there's Thunderball in there, Nose Norton. There's the kid who collects Spider-Man. And the one before this was the blackmailing issue. Uh, I'm going to start you off real easy, James B. I'm going to tell you how many helicopters were in those <laughs> five issues. <laughs> there was one. It's not the 1960s anymore. That's for sure. So how many panels do you think the Hobgoblin was drawn in? More or less than one. I'll take the over. <laughs> Very wise. He, he, not counting his animatronic self, had 75 panels. All right, it's the 1980s, James B. How many panels is Peter shirtless in? I'll take the under. Very good. Because he's usually Spider-Man, so. <laughs> he shows up shirtless nine times in these five books. You counted nine shirtless Peter Parkers in the last five books? Nine shirtless Peter Parkers. <laughs> I guess, I guess, I don't know. I, we want to see him shirtless more? I don't know. All right, here you go. How many times does MJ show up? Uh, this doesn't count the Superman book either. Uh, does not. Hmm. Man, I don't know what happened in those other books. I'll take the under. Oh, James B., that's okay. It's not too many more times than nine. It's 13 times, actually. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by this, too. But she does have a dinner with Aunt May and Mary Jane Watson, actually, in that first book, too. So... She's around a little more than I thought. In, oh, in two in two forty seven, she's the unexpected guest at the. Thing. That is correct. Uh, so she's a little bit more. Yes. We may have forgotten. Sorry, James B. It, it's a while ago. We somebody talked yes, about. Yes, so it was. It was like that podcast. The listeners don't know how long ago that one is because <laughs> somebody took a month vacation in the middle of the show. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, I'll give you one final one, James B. Uh. Spider-Man fights Thunderball. How many times is he holding Thunderball's crowbar? More or less than six times. I'll say more. You are correct. It is 16 times he's drawn holding the crowbar. Do you want to know how many times Thunderball has the crowbar in his hand? His own crowbar? I think we all know I do not. <laughs> Too bad. It is also 16 times what a villain he, he gets his own weapon used against him just as much as he uses it himself well james b thank you for playing under over <laughs> yeah keep looking forward to next year <laughs> eddie if anybody actually wants to write in and tell you that they're really happy that you sat around and counted nine 
Shirtless Peter Parkers, how can they reach you? <laughs> you can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B. Joined by... Eddie! And remember, listeners, if you created a supervillain just so he can beat Spider-Man... Resign from your job and you'll be just fine. Goodbye! Goodbye. does assume that he's just fine though i don't really know the results of this situation right <laughs> well it's not i mean he should be getting arrested right <laughs> but we don't i don't even know that that's a problem that's the only problem with this one like i don't know what happens in 252 like, well he, he doesn't mention oh no i'm gonna be arrested for this he's just like oh but, this could but, be bad for my job <laughs> but we don't know i'm saying we don't true. know. true it's true this game come on eddie like you know <laughs> i love this game <laughs> The counting panels game. You don't like it because there's too much chance in it. (laughs) I think it's very interesting to see how many different side characters appear. Uh, You know, that's what I think. Like, MJ is in 13 panels. Aunt May is only in eight panels over the course of five books, actually. I didn't use that one. But I thought it's, it's pretty interesting. Like, she's just not involved. Like, Peter Parker's life is just... Not very important in any one of these five books, in my opinion. James B., I thought there was a ton of fighting in these books. Do you you think so? Sure. So over the last five books, I counted 379 panels that didn't have fighting. The average number of panels in a book is about 140. So, like, that's actually less than half. (laughs) Well, there's no fighting in the the second half of the Kid Who Collects Spider-Man, for sure. Right. That's that's like the biggest non-fighting book. But I was surprised. I thought it would be like way more panels about fighting because it just feels like Hobgoblin and Spider-Man are fighting constantly. James B. Yeah. I tried to find in any instance in these last five Amazing Spider-Mans where Peter Parker was worried about money. Wait, is this another one of those counting things that you didn't It is. Oh, okay. I could never get away. That's That's what you're getting today, James B. There are zero instances he discusses anything to do with money. Because hmm, Felicia's bills are really in the other book. That's right. That's well, the, that's not that's really true. He's, he's, he's done with Felicia's bills. They've yeah, been, they're already they, over, too. She's out over. of the hospital. No money. And there was a lot of talk about the $1,000 that the Avengers were getting paid each week. Remember all that stuff? I remember. There was it's, a ton of money stuff going on. James B. J. Jonah Jameson says something two times in those five books. It's Gadfried or... Good Gadfried. <laughs>